morning. Welcome to worship at Central Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us this youth Sunday. As we get started this morning, I invite you to pass the friendship pads at the end of your pew. If you are visiting with us for the first time, or if you are just curious about ways to get involved, please put down a way for the church staff to contact you. A lot of thought was put into this service. Too much, possibly. We wanted to make it perfect because it was all ours, something that could represent us. We came to a realization that perfect is not a word that describes our youth group. Take, for example, the art that is showcased around the room, each painting symbolizing its own part of the Trinity. They also represent the individuality of each youth member. Just like the paintings, none of us are the same, but we are all connected. Today, let us rest assured that we are all connected in Christ. Let us worship together this morning. Please stand with me for the call to worship. God rules the earth with justice. All nature serves God. Fire clears the way and lightning lights the go- lights God's path. The heavens proclaim God's righteousness. All peoples behold God's glory. Delight in God, O coastlines and heartlands. Give thanks to God, O faithful ones.
Will you please pray with me? Dear God, thank you for being there in all of our beginnings and our endings, our, alpha, our alphas and omegas. Thank you for all that you have done to keep us on our feet when we are falling. Thank you for being there through all the stress, mistakes, pain, and sadness, and all the relaxation, good choices, health, and joy. We know that you will continue to be there when we're starting anything new or stopping anything old. In Jesus' name, amen. Now please greet another as we pass the peace of Christ. Now hear the Christian witness. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. It is I, Jesus, who send my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let everyone who hears say, come, and let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. The one who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. For the word of God that works its way into us. So, for those of you who don't know who I am, which by now probably isn't very many, uh, I'm Ethan. I've been a part of this church since I was a newborn, which is a badge that not many are able to wear and one that I'm very proud to have earned. Uh, I was raised in this community and have found my home here. And all the values and lessons that I carry with me, I found here. All my convictions and dispositions, for better or for worse, I learned here. And my passions and talents are mine because you all gave me the uh, encouragement to pursue them. I've been wrapped up in this community for 18 years, and every day I am still enamored by the love and fellowship you all display. You have been my family and with my family through the good times and the rough, and the rough times would have been a lot worse were it not for all of you, and so I feel I owe it to thank you. So Friday was the last day of school, and I'm sure that all the children in this room and everyone else who is involved in today's service are pretty ecstatic to hear me say that. but. For me, being a senior in high school, my last day was filled with tears, hugs, laughs, sighs, and more tears. It was an emotional day, as people I've known for years, some for more than a decade, all say goodbye. After the summer, I'm moving to Bowling Green. Some of my friends are going to Cincinnati, Chicago, Tennessee, some are going to California, and a few are staying right here in Lexington. But regardless, we're all going our separate ways. And it's an emotional time to be so close to so many people who have been so active in your lives and you know you may never see them again. And it was certainly hard to say goodbye for the last time as I walked out that building. 
So for the students in the room, I, I know you've heard this a million times, and I know it, it seems rough and useless in the present, but hold on to the memories you make in school, because these are experiences you only get once, so make them while you can. So after school on Friday, and then after the gruelingly long graduation rehearsal I had to sit through, uh, some friends came over to my house, we swam in the pool, we played some video games, we ate some pizza, and then about nine, we headed over to my uh, buddy Connor's house to meet up with some more friends uh, at a little party he was having. And when we got there, uh, we went down into the basement, we sat down on his musty old couches, we flickered on the TV, and I said, does anybody want to do something stupid? Which is really never a good start to a story told by an 18-year-old in a church. <laughs> and uh, ugh, my mother's going to hate me for telling you all of this. So four of my best friends and I, we hopped in the back of my 99 Jeep Cherokee with busted turn signals and no AC, and we drove all the way up to Cincinnati at about 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> We got there at around 11.30 with basically no plan or direction whatsoever. We really just wanted to see the city from that last bend on I-75 when you can see the whole business district and it's, it's really beautiful. And we got into the city, we got downtown, we still had no plan. Uh, we drove around for a little bit, I think we ended up getting some waffles and coffee somewhere, but the nightlife downtown was a little bit much for us to walk around in. So at the end of the night, we drove up to the highest peak we could find right outside the city we parked the car on the side of the road, and we just watched the city lights go by from far away. And it was a beautiful ending to a not-so-beautiful four years of high school. <laughs> Endings are really scary. We, we all have a tendency to define ourselves by our current circumstance, and when that circumstance is taken away, we lose something of ourselves along with it. It's human nature to be uncomfortable when forced into change. And endings can be expected, like me leaving high school, but they can also blindside us, like the death of a loved one. But either way, those endings necessitate fear. And that fear is why it's so strange to hear Jesus in the book of Revelations, chapter 22, say to the di disciple John, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. To me, when I read this, it seems strange, because for so long I've been taught that the Lord is without beginning or end, Rather, that he is an eternal being, existent beyond the confines of time, and thus can't be said to have a beginning or an end, or let alone be those things. But, of course, Christ is a human extension of God, and has come to earth to address the deeply human dilemma of beginnings and ends. To me, and I think to a lot of us, life is kind of like an endless cycle of beginnings and endings. One stage ends, and another begins. I start high school, it ends four years later. I go to college, that ends four years later. I start a job, I leave that job. I start a new job, maybe I retire. At some point I raise some kids, and 18 years later, they go off in their own cycles. It's dizzying, it's dizzying, especially for someone in my generation looking up from the bottom. The day-to-day -day monotony of life itself is so all-consuming that it's easy for people in my generation to be disillusioned with the divine. And on top of all that, there's the impending anxiety of the world's biggest problems. Global warming, the rise of fascism, authoritarianism, inequality, homelessness, mass poverty, starvation. These are all problems that we created, some of which mean death in numbers unseen, some mean the end of life on earth as we know it. And now look at it from the perspective of somebody in my generation. We're at a time where we know we may never have the freedom we have now again. We see that soon we won't be free to drive to Cincinnati in the middle of the night, because we'll have jobs that demand our undying devotion. 
We see that soon, um, we see that soon a government is becoming more and more oppressive, especially to people of color and those in the LGBTQ community. And we think that we, mean, we may never be free from systems of oppression that seek to keep people in place. And looking even further, we are worried that we may never be free to have a future as the threat of global warming draws ever nearer. And it's not hard to look at all this and see no end in sight beyond suffering. And I think that's why so many people in my generation are becoming so deeply frustrated with religion as a whole. Generation Z, my generation, our generation, is by the numbers the most atheistic demographic in America. And people are becoming less and less involved with religion as the years go by. And it doesn't help that when we, when we express our concerns, we're told it's all part of some bigger plan, that God works in mysterious ways, or that we just shouldn't fight it. See, the fact of the matter is, we just aren't buying that. So why do so many of my friends in my own generation feel the need to abandon religion? So I think in large part, it's due to the ever-increasing disconnect between heaven and earth. See, this is a concern that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. addressed in his letter to fellow clergymen, written from the inside of the Birmingham City Jail. He said, I've heard so many ministers say, those are social issues with which the gospel has no real concern, and I've watched so many churches commit themselves to a completely otherworldly religion, which made a strange distinction between body and soul, the sacred and the secular. And it's that distinction that, as Reverend Willie Jennings pointed out, has to do with how the church has never really truly come to terms with our involvement in historical motions of oppression, like the slave trade, the crusades, or segregation. This disparity, however, between heaven and earth wasn't ever the true goal of Christianity. Rather, to, the goal was to end that disparity entirely. It's not that Christ is going to take us and deliver us to some holy land of salvation, but the Bible tells us that Christ is going to bring that salvation to us, and he does so in the act of his sacrifice and resurrection. See, the standard interpretation of the Gospels, the one that I've come in contact with quite often in my life, is that all the woes that Christ descended to deliver us from exist solely in the spiritual realm. Christ came to end spiritual poverty, and those who are hungry are hungry for righteousness. But instead, the Bible tells us a story of a God who yearns for justice and progress. In the book of Psalm, chapter 74, the Lord says, Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. It doesn't say to sit around and wait for deliverance to come to us. And the life of Christ is one of action. Christ was a beacon for social justice in his time, and he advocated for the less fortunate at every given opportunity. And more radically, the Son of God worked not just to further belief in God and devotion to him, but also to bring ends to the systems of oppression that existed and still exist on earth. See, Jesus didn't just point to the heavens, but to the problems that exist on earth as well, and his story is a call to action. Part of the problem and part of why I think so many people in my generation have abandoned faith as an option is because they recognize that oftentimes Christians get stuck with our heads in the clouds, hyper-focused on the divine, but with a blind eye turned to the problems that are plaguing the planet and are robbing millions of their freedom and happiness every day. See, so the message of Christ was that we have the tools given to us by God to bring ends to the pains of life on earth, and that it is up to us to use them. In his poem, Manifesto, The Mad Farmer Liberation Front, author Wendell Berry tells us to practice resurrection in our lives, to be present in the beginnings and ends of life, and to realize that Christ, as the Alpha and the Omega, is the catalyst to bring about that change, and we are his tools. To practice resurrection means to be cognizant that an end with Christ is never really an end, but as the cliche goes, a new beginning, something to look forward to. 
So I think Christ makes use of this scary phenomenon of beginnings and ends in two veins. First, in the day-to-day life, he inspires us not to be afraid of ends because there is always something next. In my own life, that means leaving high school doesn't mean that part of my life is ending. It means that the next part is beginning. It means that when a relationship or a stage in life fall apart, they're simply making way for what comes next. But you really didn't need me to tell you that. That's a pop philosophy you can find on a t-shirt at Marshall's. <laughs> I, think, I think the message we need to focus on and the reason that I've not given up on my faith is that the cycle of beginnings and ends are exactly what are going to bring about the eternal resurrection, the next stage in human existence. Christ was an advocate for change, and he was so insofar as he was an advocate for ends. He sought to bring ends to racism, disease, hatred, poverty, oppression of all kinds. And he showed us that these progressions are only possible through a continuous process of destruction and rebuilding. This is shown even in the finale of the story of Christ, where after being crucified for his advocacy, he was resurrected, one end leading into another. So the journey home from Cincinnati was arguably more impactful than the trip up. After taking probably the worst possible route out of the city, we merged onto the the interstate and began our descent south. And after only like five minutes, I realized that everyone else in the car except for me uh, had fallen asleep. (laughs) I look at my clock, 3.30 a.m. I look in my rearview mirror, nothing but black. I look over at my friends, their sunken faces pressed into the shoulders of the adjacent person, their snores punctuating the ride home. Soon, it became just me in the road. I was tired, but I couldn't sleep. I carried the weight of, my, of our journey on our shoulders, on my shoulders, and my, as my arms held the wheel and my foot the gas. These were friends who I may never see again come August, people I've known for years, people whose presence fills every crack and crevice of my memory. We took the trip to celebrate an end, the end of high school, and now even that is coming to an end. The road lights zoomed past, and I felt like I was going at the speed of light. I thought about the future, about college, my major, my roommate, my classes. I thought about all the problems that I faced, about how I still needed to pick those things, about how the world is going haywire before our very eyes, about how powerless I felt. I thought about the struggle that so many people face, how so many are living on the streets or without food in their stomachs. I thought about how often I've been told to let it go because it's all part of a bigger plan. And I thought about how I refused to be complicit. I drove the caravan through the night until I saw the exit signs winding down to mine. Once we were off the interstate, I rolled down the windows and breathed in the air that was so familiar. I saw the towering blue obelisk I've grown to love jet out from the skyline, and I got cut off in traffic which in Lexington is escapable, inescapable even at 4 a.m. Our journey was coming to an end. And for once, I don't think I was scared anymore. In fact, I was ready for the next one.
Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for you have woken us up this morning so that we could be here to worship once again. Thank you, Lord, for protecting us and getting us through the week full of thunderstorms and rain. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful sunny day that we have today. Thank you for giving us all the things you've given us and all the many gifts that we have, whether it's sports or academics, being comedical, or just being kind. It is all because of you, and we're grateful for all you've done for us, and help us to be strive to be more like you and kind to fill our world to be a better place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
place abounds in deepest waters, your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed and you won't start.
Sometimes a youth Sunday is a parade of, isn't that cute? <laughs> Today was not that day. Today, we're astonished. We're challenged. We've heard words we need to take seriously, not just to smile at or feel good about, but to take to heart and be challenged by what we've heard today by every person that participated in the service today, but especially by Ethan's astonishing sermon. So I challenge you today as we prepare to sing a hymn of invitation to not just think about how cute it was what we just saw, because it was way past cute, but to take seriously the challenges that are there and to think about a church where a group of kids like this can become young men and women, not just physically, but spiritually so. Please stand as we sing.
Thank you. If you can have a seat for one moment, we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> There's a lot going on uh, in the church this week and in the summer. A few announcements. Uh, business meeting is Wednesday, June 12th. You can pick up those agendas at the sign-up table or the table outside the bathroom doors as you exit. We will have packets for you next week for that business meeting. Uh, next Sunday, we are having a reception for Nancy Kirk. She is moving away. The Baby Boomers are hosting at, right after worship on Sunday morning. So uh, be sure to stick around for that and say your goodbyes. If you're not able to be there next week, go ahead and give her a hug and, and uh, give her an encouraging word as she uh, moves on. And we are so thankful for you, Nancy, for your time here and your, your service to us in all these years. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Book group starts uh, this week, next week, starts very soon. <laughs> you can talk to Aaron in the lobby about book group. Okay, the new Silas House book called <laughs> Southernmost. And uh, it is, it, yeah, we are going to be reading that this summer. Uh, and he is at Joseph Beth on Tuesday, so if you want to go get a taste of that and uh, hear from him, then that's, that's an option for you. Uh, book group happens on Tuesdays at about 11, around lunchtime, and also Thursday evenings. So if one time works better, that'd be great. Um, you can sign up for that or talk to Aaron more uh, at the sign-up table after church. Uh, Women on Mission is this Tuesday. Uh, come and join and hear from Rebecca Wallace about God's Pantry. So, um, 5.30 potluck. So if you show up, you have to bring something, right? <laughs> Salads and desserts, right? I mean, that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so yeah, come to Women on Mission 5.30. Uh, bring something for their potluck. Uh, and finally, Ethan, come on down here and join me for a second. So when I came, Ethan was, I don't know, probably this tall, um, and which was still true until about last year. <laughs> and now he's taller than me. Yeah. But it is uh, customary for us to hand Bibles at different stages of life. Uh, you get a Bible when you are born, you get a Bible when you're baptized, and so on. Well, today is your adult Bible. Uh, so take this with you, with you to college. Keep this with you uh, as you go throughout adulthood. And let it be a guide to your studies of your calling in the world. Thank you, Ethan. And now I want to invite the rest of the youth to come out uh, to the rug. We're going to send them to youth camp this week. We, next week, next Sunday morning before church even begins, we are set off uh, to go to Passport Missions Camp in Danville, Virginia. So if you find in your bulletin a commissioning, I invite, I invite you to read with me. We offer to you our blessing as you participate in camp this week. We pray that you will grow in your faith, learn and worship, play and share. May you feel God. Thank you all, and thank you to the youth. Please give them an encouraging word.
um, as you all leave this morning. Hear now the words of benediction. As you go from this place, may you be always aware of God's presence with you. May you have peace as you embrace the endings of life. And may you have courage to jump into the new beginnings that Christ brings your way. Go now in peace. Amen. Thank you.